Welcome to the Wanting to Wealthy podcast, where we approach financial education in unconventional ways. My name is Ashley Hogan, and if you are looking for a different path to reach your financial goals, you are in the right place. Let's get started. So I wanted to let you guys know that I now have a Patreon page. Our Patreon page is patreon.com slash wanting to wealthy, and we'll put it in the show notes of this episode as well. Um, The reason I chose to do Patreon is because I really don't want to do sponsorships on the podcast um, or paid advertisements on the podcast. And the reason being is that I'm asking my, you guys, my listeners to um, think about being conscious with your spending and to um, only buy things you need or that add value and to work on your budget. And if I ask you to do those things and then advertise a bunch of other items, I feel like I'm sending a mixed message. So I wanted to let you guys know about my Patreon page as a way to help me um, finance the podcast and get more um, resources and money available to add more value in the podcast. And the um, way you can help me is by joining my Patreon page and either uh, choosing to be a $1 a month searcher, um, a $5 a month traveler, or a $10 a month seeker. And each of these uh, levels get uh, access to new materials and and I'm going to shout you out on the podcast. Um, Traveler and the Seeker level will also give you uh, discounts on course material and uh, early access to course material. We'll do live Q&As uh, for those Seekers on Patreon. So you'll be able to ask me questions live and on the spot. The other thing that I would like to do um, as a thank you is for each uh, set of 25 patrons we uh, get, I want to give away a personal development uh, book. And what I'll do is each time we get 25, so 25 members and then 50 and 75 and so on, um, I will essentially do a raffle for patrons only um, with a thank you uh, of a book or something like that. And My ultimate goal with the Patreon page is to have enough to um, help develop the podcast and then secondly to create a scholarship program um, for people who would like to utilize my resources but may or may not have enough um, resources to do it on their own. Maybe they're still working on their budget. Maybe they're still behind the eight ball. And um, maybe they're a teenager and really want to do this course. And we uh, will use Patreon to develop a um, sponsorship program so then we can use I'm hoping at some point 50% of Patreon uh, revenues for scholarship program um, for people to be able to access this material uh, who might not have the financial means to do so. So I would love your support so much. It would be amazing. I would love it. Um, And 
to do that, again, it's patreon.com slash wanting to wealthy, and I'll put it in the show notes. Welcome. Last month, we talked about budgets. This month, I'd like to talk about multiple income streams. Um, mostly because when I talk to people, they have one individual income stream, or if they have two, it is theirs and their significant others. And what tends to happen and what has happened a lot in these um, COVID times is that uh there's been a lot of stress because of a lack of income streams or income in general, and there may or may not have been an emergency fund set up. And if you look at the baby steps that Dave Ramsey talks about, um, the first is to get that $1,000 of um, true emergency stuff, uh, money, and then start paying off debt. And then building your three to six month emergency fund. Well, if you started those steps in um, 2020 or even late 2019 or prior to that, you may not have had enough money if you then lost or lost your job or it was um, eliminated or reduced when COVID hit. And um, one of the questions I ask my students is, who is guaranteed to have a job tomorrow? And usually one or two people raise their hand and they raise their hand because they have a business. And then I remind them that uh, a business is not a job. Uh, so a job is when you're employed by someone else. And especially here in Oregon, no one is guaranteed a job unless you have a specific contract saying so. But Oregon's what's called an at-will state, which means you can walk in this afternoon or tomorrow and not have a job. And um, so that means that you really should be in control of your income and your finances and your wealth as much as possible. And the reason that I separated those three words out is because they're not the same thing. And we'll touch on that here in a few minutes. Um, but the average American only has one, maybe two streams of income. And that's second stream again is usually a significant other's income um, so two streams into one household versus the average millionaire has seven and the reason that there's seven is because they're not putting all of their eggs in one basket it's not i'm going to work really 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 hard at this job because what happens if that company gets sold which is uh, or what happened to me there was a merger and i was let go from a fortune 500 corporate business um i was laid off and I was middle management, so typically uh, an area that does get laid off, but without other income streams, that could have been devastating. Um, and it was for many of the other pe other 200 people that got laid off with me. Um, and so, Millionaires have seven different types of income, and you also hear the adage that um, a jack of all trades is master of none, and they are not just talking about um, 
having a little bit of income from work you have to do. If you have not read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, do it. That talks about the four different types of income and how much effort you have to put in. There are something called direct incomes where the work you do is what you get out of it. And then also passive incomes where you're not necessarily doing the work um, day in, day out, but you get a piece of, of that puzzle. And so direct incomes are either employee or you own a business. So you either are a W-2 employee or you own a business and you're doing all of the work. Those are going to be your direct incomes. Passive incomes might be dividends, um, interest, rentals, capital gains, uh, licensing, investments, and also direct sales. Um, because most direct sales are set up like um, insurance brokerages and um, retail brokerages where when you bring somebody in to work on your team, they're going to do some work and you're going to get a little piece of that. It's the same exact way it works with retail, or excuse me, with real estate and um, insurance. The insurance agent will get money for selling the product and then the insurance broker will get a small piece of that. Um, and so the broker may or may not have even been there when the agent sold the policy, but they're going to get a small piece of it. That's passive income. They didn't do any work um, directly related to it. They may have done work and most of the time do do work in the beginning. So they're, they're essentially getting some return for having trained that insurance agent, maybe taken them under their wing, maybe um, paid for the insurance licensing. Um, and, and now later on down the road, now they're getting a small piece of that puzzle. Same thing with, um, with, real estate agents and uh, the and brokers, the agent is going to learn from the broker and then go out and do their own work. And then when the agent sells, the broker is going to get a small piece of that. And then direct sales are set up the exact same way. Um, you train your new recruit how to do something and then they are going to uh, do it and you're going to get a small piece when they do sell whatever product or service you're selling in in that company um, and then dividends is from investing as is investments any gains you get um, rentals you're going to spend the money in the beginning to to buy a rental but then hopefully it um the mortgage is less than the rental income, so then you're making the difference. Um, there's lots of different ways that income can be earned, and the more income streams you have, the less likely you are to um, have something happen to one of your income streams, and then full stop, you're just stuck. Um, so it might be, you know, two a two-income household, husband works, wife has a small business, and then they're also um, investing in their 401k, so they're earning a little bit more money there than what they're putting in, and maybe they have a rental house. That's four income streams. Um, so just to be very intentional, that's why when I gave you, gave the budgeting templates, I uh, put out um, 
three different types of budgeting templates. There's the one that's just a W-2 income. There's the one that's just a 1099 income. And then my goal is that most people are going to start using the combo because there are multiple income streams coming into your household. Now, talking about income versus wealth. Income is the money that is flowing into your bank account into your household that is coming in. Income is different than wealth, okay? Wealth is what your value is when you take away your debts. So when we look at millionaires versus the average Americans, the top 1% of people in the United States, average income is 717,000 versus everyone else, which is 51,000. But the biggest key there is they know how to spend their money. They are not um, what one of uh, the people I work with calls being broke at a higher level. Oh, well, when I when I reach 50,000, then then I'm going to start working on my debt. And then you get to 50,000. Well, when I reach 75,000 on income, then I'm going to start working on my debt. And then somehow you're still always in debt. It's called being broke at a higher level. You basically increase your spending to match the income you now have. What the top uh, valued people in, in the United States and in the world are doing is they're managing their debt and they're, and they're really deciding how to spend their money. So generally speaking, that's putting at least 10% right off the top to themselves. Uh, into an investment account, into a 401k, into something. So at least 10% of their income is paid before they touch any debts, before they touch any uh, luxury goods, before they do any impulse buys. They're, they're paying themselves. Then they're managing their debt. So they may not have the most extravagant home. They may not have the brand new a car that's worth $100,000. In fact, the average um, millionaire's car is four years old, meaning that they're not buying the car directly off the lot brand new. They're allowing somebody else to take that hit on depreciation, and then they're coming in later, and they're not always needing the um, greatest, latest and greatest items uh, or gadgets or things like that. They may not have the newest iPhone. Um, in fact, I can tell you that my personally, I have an S8 and my husband has an S9 and this is 2021. Our phones work fine. I, we together pay $80 a month for our portion of the phone bill versus um others that are on our phone bill that are spending a hundred plus dollars per phone because they have the newest phone and they may not have paid off their previous phone before they got the new phone. And they, um, so they're making payments on this piece of technology. And as most people know, technology outdates really, really quickly. So by the time you get your phone paid off, you're already behind the eight ball according to consumerism telling you, you need the newest phone because of X, Y, and Z. My phone works just fine. I record videos on it. I make, uh, I take pictures on it. Um, 
it it works great and it's like three years old and I don't make a payment on it. So it's thinking about how we're spending our dollars and what that means is because I'm not spending $200 a month on a phone bill for my husband and I, we can then go in and um, take that extra $120 a month that we would be spending on our phone and put it towards debt. And, and in fact, if you want to be debt free or not, that's not the point. The point for me is that you're super intentional with, with your debt, um, consumer debt. So credit cards and things like that is bad debt. Um, unintentional student loans is bad debt. So if you're out there and you have uh, student loans because that's what you were told you should do, and I'm, I'm totally guilty of this, um, so you could get through school on some sort of timeline that nobody cares about, um, and now you have student loans to show for it, but if you had gone through school two years slower, you wouldn't have student loans. To me, that's bad debt. Um, there are people out there that will tell you that student loans are good debt, but I don't think student loans, especially if you haven't finished your degree, student loans are not a form of good debt because now you're paying on debt that you didn't even reap the benefits of. Um, so being extremely thoughtful with when you choose to take on debt and how you choose to take on debt and, and what your payback choices are. So specifically, if you choose to take on debt, say you need uh, a computer for work and work's not going to pay for it for you, um, and you don't have the money to pay it outright, before you do that, do your research, figure out um, how much it's going to cost you, not only the, the cost of the computer itself, but also the cost of the interest. So um, most consumer debts are on what's called compounding interest. So if you bought a computer uh, for $1,000 and it compounds monthly, we'll say, um, at 10% interest, you're going to get $100 worth of interest. So now it's $1,100 that month. And then say they only want a $50 payment. Now you'll eventually get out of it, but it's going to take a long time. So maybe you need to make sure that you're paying a minimum of that $100 that you just accrued in interest plus more so you can say get it paid off in six months. But if you don't do that research ahead of time, you're handing the power to the person that is um, lending to you. And um, there are schools of thought, Dave Ramsey being one of them, that you should never have debt at all. And if that's the the rule that you would like to go with, um, definitely check out um, Total Money Makeover. That's who we're using right now as far as getting rid of our debt because I want to be as debt-free as possible. Uh, and I say that because we do have a house and that will take a while. Um, but can I pay for things or save for things without putting them on a credit card? Absolutely. And saving means I don't get instant gratification. It means that, um, so I, I use the computer example because I need a computer. My computer is four years old and it likes to just randomly die on me. Um, I could 
take out consumer debt and deal with compound interest and pay more than the thousand dollars that the computer is worth or i could save two hundred dollars for five months and buy that computer outright and then it's just a thousand dollars and I have that delayed gratification. What delayed gratification does for me and may do for, for you as well is it really shows you whether or not you truly need something or you just want something. If if you've ever gone to a store and you've made a purchase um, and it could be Macy's or it could be a Goodwill, it doesn't matter, where you've made a purchase and you probably could have spent that money on debt or on something else uh, that was, quote, better um, and then felt guilty about it, that was an impulse buy. Okay. And again, I'm, I'm, totally talking about myself here. I've done this um, over the years. I um, did that a lot in college. I used buying clothes as a kind of a coping mechanism when I lost my mom um, for something that made me feel good for a very short period of time. And then I didn't have a lot of money. And so I was taking out student loans and it's just a vicious cycle. But when you know better, you do better, right? So uh, what happened is now I do a uh, minimum of 30-day wait period for anything that costs over $100. And a lot of times I wait a lot longer than that. It helps me make sure that it's something I really want, or excuse me, something I really need, that it will for sure add value to my life, that I've had time to do my research on uh, that product or item, and that I've had time to save for it. Um, yes, are there things that are, that come up as emergencies? Absolutely. Um, so we do have a savings account that is set aside for emergencies. Say the pet has the one of my animals gets sick and I have to take them to the vet. To me, that's an emergency. It's not something that I plan on doing the way, let's see, I just had to get tires for my truck. That is something I planned on doing. So that's not an emergency. We saved for that. Um, but we also had to take my dog to the vet uh, back in December and it, because he um, got inhalation pneumonia, not something I planned on him doing. So that to me is an emergency. And so we used our emergency fund for that. It didn't go on a credit card. And then we were able to um, put the money back into the emergency fund and we're not paying any interest on the fact that our dog got sick. And we're not paying any interest on the fact that we needed tires because we were intentional about how we saved for them. So income is part of it. Having more than one income stream so your eggs aren't all in one basket. Worth is another part of it. It's your value uh, and, and how you choose to manage your debt and how your income relates to your debt. So somebody asks your net worth, a lot of times they'll ask this when they're doing financial needs, um, something that I can do for you, by the way. Um, you just have to go to my website and book a appointment with me. Uh, is they're going to ask you how much debt you have and then all of the things that you own that are assets 
and they're going to figure out the difference and hopefully that number is positive. That number is positive that means you have solvency. That means you have solvency, meaning that you have more money or assets than you do debts. If that number is negative, you're considered insolvent. And solvency is different than liquidity. Somebody who is liquid means that they have easy access to cash. And so you, going back to the Dave Ramsey steps, you have that seven, uh, you have that thousand dollars of um, emergency fund and then you pay off as much debt as you're going to pay off and then you build a three to six month true emergency fund. So that's going to be fairly liquid, meaning it's probably just going to be in a savings account or maybe a universal index life policy, something like something that you can easily reach out and touch within a couple of days, um, as opposed to say a 401k uh, or a Roth where you're going to have a lot of fees associated with it if you attempt to uh, if you attempt to use that money for some reason. And the reason they say three to six months um, is because that's usually how long it takes somebody to get a job if they've lost their job. COVID times are different. Many people have gone through their three to six month savings and we're still struggling a little bit. But if you uh, think about it, if you have lower debts, lower obligations, that means that you've got more um, that those, that three to six months will stretch further because your monthly amounts that you spend can go down. So recapping for this episode, um, have more than one income stream. If you want to learn more about those, Read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kawasaki. Decide how your income stream is going to uh, relate to your net worth or your value. Um, and that comes through intentional choices when you uh, choose to take on debt. Um, that comes in delayed gratification through um, maybe waiting to see how long to see if you really need something uh, or if it really will add a lot of value to your life. That comes through debt management. Um, if you already have debt, just because this is your picture right now doesn't mean that it will continue to be your picture. Um, so you can work to manage your debts right now. And then that also means um, having access to money, so building an emergency fund, and last but not least, it means paying yourself and making sure that money is going uh, to protect you and then to your debts, and then when you have fewer obligations, you can spend money however you like. If the money exists, um, I know people who are six-figure earners that give away in charities and foundations and churches more than they use of their income in a given year. The person who says he uh, he was always broke at a higher level 
as he earned more income, he now lives off of about 40% of his total income and he gives away even more than that. You can be very, very empowered by having multiple income streams and um, deciding how you want your net worth to relate to those income streams. Um, you can be as generous as you want to be. Uh, you can help others. You can choose the school you want to be in. You can uh, you can go to school debt-free. Your children can go to school debt-free. So being intentional with your purchases um, can help you do really anything you want to do. And being intentional with how your income comes in protects you so that lifestyle doesn't have to change when a um, pandemic hits or a recession or a major blow to maybe your house needs a new roof, things like that. Um, Food for thought. Hi, friends. I am super excited to let you know now available on my website are my free budget templates. How you get those is by going to wantingtowealthy.com and looking for the subscribe button in the upper right hand corner. Once you subscribe to my mailing list, you can confirm and the very next email will send you PDFs of all three budgeting templates. There are three, so it fits anyone's lifestyle. The budgeting templates include one for those of you who just have W-2 income, one for those of you who have 1099 or intermittent incomes, and one for those of you who has a combination of the two. Please download and use these every month to help you and your family budget. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Wanting to Wealthy podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you and all of your support. It means the world to me. I would love to continue the conversation over on Instagram at wanting to wealthy. You can always send me a DM with thoughts, questions, ideas for future podcasts, or anything else you would like to share with me. Until next time. So I was re-listening to this podcast and I realized that when I was talking about the computer example, I didn't give you a good layout of how interest actually works. So what the way I had said it was that interest is essentially going to be 10% a month, which is not what I meant. Um, so how that works, I gave you a $1,000 computer with 10% interest. You actually need to... To find out what your monthly interest is, you need to take that $1,000 or whatever the bill is at that current moment and times that by 
10 divided by 12. So 0.1 divided by 12, um, that's going to tell you how much of that 10% annual interest is applied to the computer monthly. And then um, you can do the math from there. So because I figure that's probably a little confusing. If you want to um, go to the show notes for this episode, I've included in there a um, Excel worksheet that you can download and actually put in the cost of your item, um, and it will give you a sheet of what your interest will look like uh, as you move through financing that particular item. I hope that helps.